Hello, everybody. It's July 26th, and we are getting into midsummer here in the Northern Hemisphere. And those of you in the southern part of the globe are enjoying the cool or frosty midwinter, which sounds quite enticing to those of us experiencing the heat of the day in the northern hemisphere. No matter where you are on the planet, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, this is your day. Show us to whom we can show your love and communicate the truth as it is in Jesus. My name is David McAdam, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide. We're continuing our year-long trek through the 66 books of the Bible, letting the one-year Bible reading plan set the pace. You can stay in sync with our daily Bible readings by going to the oneyearbibleonline.com, pick up a one-year Bible edition available in multiple translations, or follow along and download our written commentary on our internet homepage, www.newlife.org. We are in the 14th book of the Old Testament, the book of Second Chronicles, tracing the histories of the kings that are descendants of King David in the southern kingdom of Judah. We are noting their particular relationship to the temple of Jerusalem and whether or not they conducted themselves according to the revealed will of God. Those kings who were God-pleasing are often referred to as those who walked in the ways of King David, which did not speak of moral perfection, but that they did not give in to false idolatrous worship, or, in other words, walk according to the sin of Jeroboam. So we pick up our reading in Second Chronicles chapter 17 with the reign of Jehoshaphat. So here we go, Second Chronicles chapter 17, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Jehoshaphat reigns in Judah. Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. He placed forces in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah, and in the cities of Ephraim that Asa his father had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat, because he walked in the earlier ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father, and walked in his commandments, and not according to the practices of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor. His heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. And furthermore, he took the high places and the Asherim out of Judah. In the third year of his reign, he sent officials, Ben-Hael, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathanael, and Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah, and with them the Levites, Shemaiah, Nathaniah, Zebediah, Asahel, Shemiramoth, Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Tob Adonijah, and with these Levites, the priest, Elishama, and Jehoram. And they taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went about through all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, and they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver for tribute. And the Arabians also brought him 7,700 rams and 7,700 goats. And Jehoshaphat grew steadily greater. He built in Judah fortresses and store cities, and he had large supplies in the cities of Judah. He had soldiers, mighty men of valor, in Jerusalem. This was the muster of them by fathers' houses. 
of Judah, the commanders of thousands, Adna the commander, with three hundred thousand mighty men of valor, and next to him Johananan the commander, with two hundred and eighty thousand, and next to him Amasiah the son of Zikri, a volunteer for the service of the Lord, with two hundred thousand men of valor, of Benjamin, Eliada, a man of valor, with two hundred thousand men armed with bow and shield, and next to him Jehazabad, with a hundred and eighty thousand armed for war. These were in the service of the king, besides those whom the king had placed in the fortified cities throughout all Judah. Jehoshaphat allies with Ahab. Chapter 18 Now Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor, and he made a marriage alliance with Ahab. After some years he went down to Ahab in Samaria. And Ahab killed an abundance of sheep and oxen for him and for the people who were with him, and induced him to go up against Ramoth-Gilead. Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will you go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? He answered, I am as you are, my people as your people. We will be with you in the war. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, four hundred men, and said to them, Shall we go to battle against Ramoth-Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord, of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah the son of Imlah, but I hate him for he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes. And they were sitting at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Canaanah, made for himself horns of iron, and said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, and said, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And the messenger who went up to summon Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them, and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what my God says, that I will speak. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And he answered, Go up in triumph, they will be given into your hand. But the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains, as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab the king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said one thing, and another said another. 
Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him, and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster concerning you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Canaanah, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. And the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah and take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison, and feed him with meager rations of bread and water, until I return in peace. And Micaiah said, If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Hear all you peoples. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth-Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded the captains of his chariots, Fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. And soon as the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him. God drew them away from him. For as soon as the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Therefore he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle continued that day, and the king of Israel was propped up in his chariot, facing the Syrians until evening. Then at sunset he died. This concludes today's portion from the Old Testament, the book of Second Chronicles. In today's passage we have learned some of the successes and failures of King Jehoshaphat the king of Judah. He defended well the cities his father, King Asa, had conquered. In his early years, he walked in the ways of David his father, in Second Chronicles chapter 17, verse 3. He sought the Lord, in verse 4, and followed the commands of the Lord, in the second part of verse 4. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord, in verse 6. He removed the altars to false gods on the high places. He deployed officials and Levites to teach throughout the land, furnishing them with copies of the written law of God, in verses 7 through 9. The Lord showed His favor to Jehoshaphat by establishing His kingdom and providing peaceable relationships with neighboring kingdoms. As a result of this testimony, all Judah honored Jehoshaphat as king, bringing him gifts, and the fear of the Lord fell, not just on Judah, but on the surrounding lands as well. However, in chapter 20, we see how an era of peace and prosperity can breed spiritual carelessness. An 18th century Christian writer, Samuel Wilkes, observed, A Christian never falls asleep in the fire or in the water, but grows drowsy in the sunshine. Jehoshaphat made an unholy alliance with the wicked, opportunistic King Ahab of Israel. Jehoshaphat allowed his son, Jehoram, to marry Athaliah, 
Ahab's daughter. This created family pressure to establish a military alliance between Israel and Judah that incurred God's wrath in 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verse 2. This alliance would eventually enable Ahab's daughter, Athaliah, to seize the throne after Jehoshaphat's death and almost destroy all of David's descendants. In 2 Chronicles 22, verses 10 through 12, Now when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she rose and destroyed all the royal offspring of the house of Judah. But Jehoshabeath, the king's daughter, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons who were being put to death, and placed him and his nurse in the bedroom. So Jehoshabeath, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada the priest, for she was the sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah, so that she would not put him to death. He was hidden with him in the house of God six years, while Athaliah reigned over the land. Athaliah was the only queen of Judah, and she actively revolted against God's revealed purpose. She brought the evil practices of Israel to Judah. This would speed the way of the nation's downfall. King Ahab asked King Jehoshaphat to join him in attacking Ramoth-Gilead, territory once belonging to the Israelite tribe of Gad, but had been taken over by the Syrians, Syria and Damascus known as Aram. Jehoshaphat probably felt a family obligation to support Ahab due to his son's marriage to Ahab's daughter. He first asked Ahab to seek God's will and inquire of the Lord. Ahab king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat king of Judah, Will you go with me against Ramoth-Gilead? And he said to him, I am as you are, and my people as your people, and we will be with you in the battle. Moreover, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire first for the word of the Lord. 2 Chronicles 18, verses 3 and 4. What happens is quite revealing. Ahab has 400 false prophets telling him what he wants to hear, that he would be victorious in battle. Jehoshaphat has enough spiritual discernment to ask, Is there not one prophet of the Lord, Yahweh, with whom we can inquire? Ahab admits that there is one prophet named Micaiah, but he never prophesies anything good about him. Jehoshaphat challenges Ahab to bring forth the prophet Micaiah. Micaiah makes it clear that he does not go along with the majority report. When Ahab's messenger says, Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably, Micaiah plays along with Ahab, only to have Ahab recognize that Micaiah was not speaking the truth. But Micaiah knew that Ahab was not interested in hearing the truth. He then discloses that he saw the Lord sitting on his throne looking for an instrument to lure Ahab to attack Ramoth-Gilead in order to go to his death there. A demon, known as a lying spirit, volunteers. The Lord God does not tell the spirit to lie, but allows the lying spirit to perform according to his nature in relationship to Ahab. Ahab submits to the lie and attacks Ramoth-Gilead and is killed. Thus, these events accomplish God's purpose of bringing final judgment upon Ahab. This once again illustrates God's sovereignty over all, including principalities and powers and the designs of wicked people, in Psalm 76, verse 10. It also illustrates that the human heart is so deceitful that it will choose to submit to a lying spirit, false prophecies, rather than the word of God, even when it is told the truth. We see the same wickedness in the heart of Pontius Pilate, who is told the truth, yet will not submit to it. 
Jesus answered him, saying, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting, so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. John chapter 18, verses 36 and 37. Do you have a heart to know the truth? Hear God's word and obey it. The world has its false teachers and false prophets. True believers do not love the world system and are not looking to have their ears tickled with promises that would establish their kingdoms in this world. The false prophet Zedekiah slaps Micaiah's face and taunts him. King Ahab orders to have Micaiah imprisoned until he returns safely from the battle at Ramoth-Gilead. Micaiah tells Ahab to hear the truth. Ahab will not return. In chapter 18, verse 27. The rest is history. Ahab, despite his efforts to disguise his identity in battle, is killed by an anonymous archer whose well-placed arrow finds its pinpoint destination between the sections of Ahab's armor. Now let's move on to our New Testament reading in Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 9, verses 22 through chapter 10, verse 31. Romans 9, verse 25. As indeed he says in Hosea, Those who were not my people I will call my people, and her who was not beloved I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, You are not my people, There they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, If the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. What shall we say then? that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is, a righteousness that is by faith, but that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Chapter 10 Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For, being ignorant of the righteousness of God, and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandment shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This concludes our reading from the New Testament passage from Paul's letter to the Romans. Paul has been writing to the church at Rome and reminding the Gentiles of their indebtedness to their Jewish brothers, yet affirming that salvation is equally a gift of God for Jew and Gentile and not the result of law-keeping. The Jews that pursue righteousness by works fail to be ever declared righteous in God's eyes. This is because the only righteousness that can justify anyone before God is absolute righteousness, the gift righteousness that is offered through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul's intention in writing this section is for Jews and Gentiles alike to realize that God is sovereign in salvation. One does not become right with God because of any deservedness based on national pedigree, religious affiliation, or meritorious achievement on their part. Salvation is based on the perfect redeeming work of Christ on behalf of the sinner. The resurrection affirms the truth about who Jesus is, his true identity as God incarnate, the promised Lamb of God come to take away sin, and the truth that his payment for our sins is effectual. Romans 10 verse 9, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, that's the Greek word kurios, the word that's used in the Greek Septuagint for God, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The confessing with your mouth refers to the need to recognize the truth of Jesus' identity. He is who he says he is, God. We are not saved by confessing Christ, but confessing Christ will be the expression of our believing in our hearts the truth. Our next stop on our Bible reading tour is the book of Psalms, Psalm 20, verses 1 through 9. Trust in the name of the Lord our God. To the choir master, a psalm of David. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the King. May he answer us when we call. Verses 1 through 5 are a benediction. May the Lord answer you, protect you, help you, support you, and remember that you have offered the sacrifices he required. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your counsel. Psalm 20, verse 4. Verses 5a and verses 6 through 8 are a confession of faith. The psalmist is fully expecting to be victorious because of the Lord's faithfulness. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. 
Psalm 20, verse 7. Verse 9 is our common prayer. Save, O Lord. May the King answer us in the day we call. And may this psalm encourage us to pray, casting our cares upon Him, knowing that He cares for us. Let's make much of the Lord's faithfulness. Our next stop is in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. The terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his life. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. This proverb reminds us to be tactful and not to arouse the anger of a superior. It is a good idea to steer clear of angry people and not engage in unnecessary quarrels. Now let's pray. Lord, keep us humble, contrite, and trembling at your word. Do not let us succumb to the deceptive desires of our hearts, the lure of lying spirits with their false prophets and false teachings. Give us wisdom to obey revealed truth and trust you for the results. We thank you for the mercy of our salvation. Our redemption is to the praise and glory of your name alone. We come before you with confidence in the merits of your Son and the promise that if we ask anything according to your will, you hear us. We trust that you will guide us in our daily battles and provide victory over temptation and every work of the world, the flesh, and the devil. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that wraps up our tour for today. It is great to get God's perspective on events and people and also to gain wisdom as how to handle them. Thank you for joining us on our excursion, and we look forward to being together tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us an email at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like a written transcript of our commentary with maps and charts, you can go to our website and subscribe at newlife.org. So until next time, may the God of all grace be with you and enrich you with an understanding of His mercy and truth. Shalom.